Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Uh, Another unbearably hot day. Probably possibly the hottest of the year. Just endless heat. It's not going away, is it? Wouldn't be so bad if we could get, like, some rain with it, but uh, that doesn't exist either. So it is just July at its worst right now, and it doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. Really disappointing. Really depressing to have to deal with these temperatures for as long as we do, but there are things we can do to take care of the garden to keep it going. Now, where I live, they just went to stage three watering. I get one day per week to water things. Now, right at the moment with my drip irrigation I can get everything watered well during that one day. And I've been emphasizing plants that don't need a great deal of water. I see in the text messages and the comments that, you know, what can I plant that doesn't need much? What works well here that still is an attractive plant but doesn't need so much water. There are a lot of native Texas plants that do fantastic here and are very attractive. And they don't have high water requirements. Now, you're not gonna plant anything now. I don't care what you're trying to do. It is too hot and you will need a ton of water just to get a plant to establish. So like, Um, Colleen and Leah said last hour, this is planning time. This is when you start, you know, get yourself cool drinks, get out in the shade, look over your property and see what you have that's not making it. What do you have that takes way too much water? What do you have in bare spots? What can you do? What can you improve? And then come sometime in October, you can start planting them. That will give them time to establish themselves and be ready for next summer, which hopefully next summer is, uh, uh, next summer is going to be one that works. Now, we have to remember that our wildlife desperately needs water too. Keep your bird baths full, clean and full. You know, if you come out every day, rinse them out, fill them, you won't have mosquitoes, they'll stay clean and there will be birds galore to come visit you. I have a purple martin house it can hold four pairs of purple martins. 
And right now I have one pair that still has a bird that hasn't fledged, at least one. It's hard to tell. There may be more, but at least one. So for some reason, my Purple Martin house must be on the morning coffee break tour because I have over 100 Purple Martins in my backyard right now. The power line that is near the Purple Martin house is covered. They're lined up side by side, all facing the same direction, all chattering. And if you've heard of Purple Martin, that can be a pretty loud noise, but there's more than a hundred of them. And we swear that they're all here yelling at the baby going, come on, come on, come on out. Look what you're missing. As they try to get the last couple of birds to fledge. It is amazing to see them. It, it's like a cloud when they're all flying at once. And uh, the noise is, um, I can hear it through the house. And I, I like it, so I don't complain about it, but I have never had so many wind up in my home as I've got right now. We took pictures and counted, and uh, we stopped counting when we hit 100. And there were still birds flying. There were still birds on the wire. The, the, the Purple Martin house was nothing but birds. It had so many on it. So it has been really entertaining. Not too far from where I live, probably less than two miles, there is a huge stock pond. The person who owns the property, it's always full of water. And I have a feeling that's where the birds are going to do things like, you know, get a bath, stuff like that. Because while they're on these wires, they're preening like crazy. Fluffing open their feathers, they're uh, uh, drawing the oils across the feather. They're just amazing. Never seen so many. And I'm on the other side of I-35 from where they normally have been landing in Round Rock. I mean, we have had clouds of them in Round Rock where the entire parking lot is nothing but every branch with Purple Martins on them that right before they decide to head south again, they all cluster, they all, you know, check on each other. And, and it's just amazing to watch. So I don't know, maybe they're going to move to my house to be the fall cluster point that would be fine with me i find them to be incredibly interesting birds now i've also had uh birds that aren't real common around here lately i've had a roadrunner uh and he has been scanning for lizards like crazy uh they can fly it's kind of funny when you see them do so, but they can definitely run. They are fast. They are cartoon fast. Uh, they have a, a neat little call and they've got this little requirement to be on the high ground. 
So if there was a perfectly flat yard, but there was one little stone in it, you'd find a roadrunner standing on it. They're on my fence line all the time looking down to see what they can find to eat. They do eat a lot of my lizards. Uh, I find that <clears throat> disappointing, but um, nobody said nature was nice. Okay. Everything is food for something else. And even stuff that you really like, well, somebody's going to eat it. But we are seeing lots of wildlife, have an ungodly number of rabbits. Uh, there's just really no real predator for them where I live. No coyotes. The bobcats aren't even nearby. And uh, for the most part, no wild dogs. So uh, we have rabbits like crazy. I might have 10 or 12 in my backyard at one time. So I know the wildlife is there. I know they are searching for water just like we are. So try to accommodate them. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Uh, I need to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, we're going to be dealing with really bad situation here. Limited watering availability. You can't water like we have been and incredible heat just really hottest temperatures we've had around here and maybe forever now what do you do in your garden well the better the soil is the longer you can go between these waterings with the proper tilth, that crumbliness, lots of organic matter, and you know what, working it down to a good depth, when you water, you will be able to get every drop, no pun intended, of that water to be in the soil and to hang around rather than just run off or when you water, you can only get it down an inch or so, and the hot weather will evaporate it in no time at all. So we always should be working the soil. Number one, your garden, um, your flower beds, around your trees, you should be really looking at making sure you're mulching because that is crucial to keep soil moisture in the ground. If, if you can do that, if you can keep that soil there, that means you're creating an environment where the plants will be able to handle the nastiness of the uh, drought. They're more likely to survive. 
Let's go to the phone. This is Muriel. Okay, what can I help you with? Question about uh, trimming your oak trees uh, this time of the year. Is it better to wait until fall when it's the weather's cooled off, or is it okay to trim them now? The arborists want us to trim oak trees between July 1st and January 31st. That's the window that reduces the risk of spreading oak wilt. Now, for you, if you're the person doing the trimming, I would wait till it's cooler because it's too damn hot to be outside doing it. But we're in the correct window to trim oak trees. But does it make any difference, though, if you trim them in this oppressive heat we're having right now or wait till the fall till it cools off? Only makes a difference to you. Oh, okay, it doesn't make any difference to the tree. Nope. Okie doke. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for the call. Yeah, folks. Worrying about the conditions of the plants are important. Worrying about your ability to handle the weather is just as important. So if you can put something off and not have to be out in this heat, do so. Your plants will forgive you. Let's go to the phone. This is Glenn. Glenn, what can I help you with? Well, yes, hi, Jeff. Good morning. Uh, uh, I planted uh, new boxwood bushes and uh, few questions I had. Number one, they grow very slowly and the how much water should you put on them and also as the new leaves come out, they some of the leaves, they turn yellow and eventually become brown. Why is it? Okay, first off, Boxwoods can have difficulty here in Central Texas because of our obvious heat. When did you plant these? I planted them in November last year. Okay. They should have established roots. How often are you watering them? I water them uh, every other day. They are probably getting too much water. You should get to the point where watering once a week should be sufficient. Too much water can cause what you're seeing where you're sort of drowning the plant. The soil is uh-huh. so wet and you've, dis- uh, you've drowned bi- the biology that it needs that what happens is it can't pick up certain nutrients, which will turn the leaf yellow and which can also cause the leaf to die. The plant is fine, but you need to walk out that watering cycle. A good, deep soaking once a week, and those plants will be just fine. Oh, I see. How much should you water? A good, deep soaking once a week. There is no quantity to the water. You want that water to soak down about four inches deep. If it's damp four inches down after you've watered, you've put down enough water. Okay. All right. Thank you, Jeff. 
Thanks for the call, Glenn. Yeah, folks, there is not, gee, this plant requires one gallon and four ounces of water every five days. That's not how it works. The demand changes. There is an infinite number of variables that affects the water needs of that plant. So what you do is you try to cover the basics. When you water, slow soak, deep watering, so that it will draw the roots out. You want to feel wet at least four inches deep after you water it. Then you can go back and water again. Right now I would say you could water when it needs it, but you could water again on your watering day since we are being restricted everywhere. <clears throat> it's terrible for us, it's terrible for the plants, but it's what we got. So work with it, do it right, and it won't be a big deal. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're coming up to the bottom of the hour. We're gonna break for the news. I'll catch you all on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, let's go to the phone. This is Janice. Janice, what can I help you with? Morning, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. I've been having a problem with leaf cutter ants um, taking all the leaves off my Bradford pear. What can I do to stop them? Nothing. Bet you didn't want to hear that answer. Um, no, because, I mean, my tree's going to be bald pretty soon with no leaves. And the minute it loses those leaves, the ants will go away and the tree will put on new leaves. They won't oh, so it kill won't it. kill my tree? They won't kill it. They'll look horrid. And without a doubt, the tree is being stressed. But here's the deal. These ants take a piece of the leaf. They go back into their mound, and they farm a fungus on the leaf underground. That's what they eat. Not the leaf itself, but the things that grow on it. Because they put all this organic matter back in the soil, they're actually considered beneficial. Now, that doesn't mean everybody wants them because they, you know, I haven't heard them attack a Bradford pear, but roses and crepe myrtles are like sure things. They're going to be eaten by leaf cutters. There isn't really a way to completely stop them. Now, you can dust heavily with diatomaceous earth around the tree, but that's not going to like they touch it and die. It's going to take a while to kill them, but it will. You can also use like a, a light orange oil spray on the ground to dissolve that chemical trail they leave, and that will help them be lost. But they will strip many plants. The plants will come back. If your tree was at all healthy before they attacked it, it'll probably be just fine once they are done doing their work the tree should recover and put on new leaves. 
Okay, you said they also attack crepe myrtles, which is like 10 feet away from my crepe myrtle. So they're probably going to attack that one too? Maybe. It depends. The Bradford pear may give them all of the material they need to farm for that fungus. Um, if they don't get enough off of the Bradford pear, yeah, they may just find their way over to the um, crepe myrtle. But again, okay, do they make mounds? Because I don't see a mound in my yard. Is it underground? Yep. Oh, okay, so yep. you can't find them. Well, you can follow them. If you see them, they'll be carrying the leaf to back down to where their mound is under the ground, and you can follow that. But it's really difficult. There's not a real effective poison because it's so hard to get to the queen and kill her so she won't lay any more eggs. If you go to the Texas A&M, uh, Texas AgriLife website and look up leafcutter ants, they'll give you a big explanation of them, but not a great solution to stop them. Okay. It's right. frustrating. I know, I know it's frustrating. Well, I go out every morning, and my whole patio is covered with green leaves in my yard, too. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> yep. And you know what? They'll be fine. In okay, so it should weather, be okay. Yeah, well, they're probably they going crazy in the heat. So they'll just go to someplace else? They may. They may go to your neighbor. They may go the opposite direction that they've gone. Their mound and the tree they're attacking, they can go anywhere around that thing to find what they want. And again... Well, unfortunately, I'm the only one. It, all these trees are in my backyard. I'm the only one with trees in my backyard, so I guess they're just going to stay in my backyard, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's their food source. And you've got crepe myrtles back there, too, which is something that they will attack. It'll look terrible. It will be frightening how they can do that kind of damage but in almost all cases the plants will grow back okay all right well i thought maybe there was something i could do to stop it before you know treat it's totally there but i guess not yeah uh everybody is looking for that solution what do you do to get them to stop and when you go to the AgriLife site and they get done, it's going to kind of be, sorry, we don't really have a good working solution for this. It's really disappointing. Okay. Okay. Uh, I also have one more other question. The um, armadillo are digging up my yard every time I water. Is there something I can sprinkle on the lawn in the garden to stop them? Yes. There is a product called Mole Max, M-O-L-E-M-O-L-E-M-A-X. Okay. It comes in a small container or a big bag. It's a granule. It's safe, and it uh, will keep the armadillos away. Okay, so it won't kill the grass, the plants, or the nope. trees. Nope. Okay. Be and how often fine. do I need to apply this? You know, the bottle says every, um, 
or the container of these granules says like every six months. And that may be a little long here in Texas with the heat. So maybe every three months okay, you would use it to keep them away. Okay. Well, that's all I needed to know for today. Thank you so much for the information. And sorry you can't help me with my tree. I wish I had better news for you. Yeah, I wish I had a better answer, but there really isn't a better answer. Well, as long so, as you don't think it's going to kill my trees, you know. It should not. Don't forget to water your trees when they need it so that they will have what they need to put new leaves on. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. You have a good day. You too. Thanks for the call. Yeah, folks, um, there is not a solution for leaf cutters. They, uh, they can be a real, real pain. So I, I wish there were better answers. Everybody wishes there were better answers. But this is what we got. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, Wayne, I see you there. Can you hang on? I need to take a break. I will catch you on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Hot day, hot day, hot day hot day. Hopefully there will be a light at the end of the tunnel and it not be the oncoming ball of fire because this weather has got to break someday, hopefully soon. Let's go to the phone. This is Wayne. Wayne, what can I help you with? Yeah, there's about three or four of us sitting around here, been listening to the show for a long time. Uh, I'm going to ask you some questions. We're trying to get a community garden going and want to know what we can plant now for fall crops like uh, collards, peppers, or whatever. Um, We've all been sitting here working in the sun, getting these beds ready, and just don't know what we're going to put in them. So we thought we'd give you oh. a call and see what your advice is. Okay. So I'm going to drop green. off so all of us can hear you. Got it. That way I can turn the radio back up. Okay. Thanks. Okay, let's go through this kind of quickly. Peppers. Yes, you could put peppers in now. Um, greens like collards or spinach, broccoli, cauliflower, those kind of plants, they're not going in until fall. They cannot handle this heat and it's not the right season for them. They are cool weather crops. Uh, you could probably put eggplant in. You could put pumpkin in. It will do well. Uh, and if you put it in now, you would be able to wind up with um, pumpkins around Thanksgiving. Halloween, if that's what you're into. I don't know if you got any pumpkin chunkers out there, but uh, that's how you can get pumpkins at the right time of the year. There is a source for you. Texas AgriLife 
the Travis County Master Gardeners Association, they make a schedule. You can search for that on the internet and there'll be a single page and it'll tell you, it's a calendar that recommends what time of the year you should be thinking about planting what kind of plant. It'll even tell you whether you need to do um, seeds or whether it's better to get a start from the nursery. In that calendar, it will be things that should grow here during that time of the year. Now, plants can't read. So don't forget that if it says you should be planting something now, that would be if it would be normal weather. So if it's colder or hotter than it normally would be, you may want to adjust the planting date. But the Travis County Master Gardeners Guide and Texas AgriLife both put up these calendars of what can be planted, when, and how big the window is. Because some plants you could put in any day in the next three months and they'll do fine. But there's a fairly long list of them, so that's good. And the folks that put this list together have already kind of worked through it. They uh, know what will work and what won't work. And uh, the plants that you can do based on their calendar can be uh, pretty productive, pretty productive if you plant them during the window. Unfortunately, right now, there's not a whole lot of them. Okra, peppers, uh, pumpkins, those plants you can put in the ground now. Everything else, we're going to have to wait on better weather than this heat. Now, I hope that gives you an idea. Again, can't emphasize it enough for anybody listening. Travis County Master Gardener's Guide, Texas AgriLife, they will have calendars that will say, in July, this is what you should look at putting in the ground. Let's go to the phone. This is Matt. Matt, what can I help you with? Hey, morning, Jeff. So I have a question about butterfly weed and a question about a maple tree. So uh, I'll start with the butterfly weed. So I planted some. I uh, got them from a local nursery in the spring. They're about five feet tall now. Looking really good, except leaves at the bottom are turning yellow. So I'd only watered them. I let the rain water them this spring, and then I gave them one really thorough watering about a week ago. And I'm just wondering what's going on with that. You know, there may not be any problem. Uh, the term is uh, sinensis, I believe. What happens is the plant grows a leaf, and at some point in time, it goes, well, I'm sorry, I got everything I need from you. I'm going to cut you off and you're going to fall off and we're not going to have you around anymore. So that yellowing is not necessarily disease and it sure doesn't sound like you've overwatered the plant. So it could just be the regular rotation. Um, I used to have a hibiscus. No matter what I did to it, every morning I could come out and I'd have to pick off a yellow leaf. And the next morning, guess what? Yellow leaf again. 
I never did figure out what was causing that. But the plant was big, beautiful, produced lots of blooms, so I didn't care too much about it. If the plant looks good, other than some yellowing on the bottom, if it's blooming, if it's behaving, if it's putting on new growth, it's probably doing fine. And I don't know that I get very upset about those yellow leaves. Okay, great. So I have the opposite problem with my big tooth maple. So I uh, got it a couple of years ago when it was super small from that guy out in Kerrville, <laughs> like four inches tall. And uh, it grows, and what it does is it'll, it'll, it'll put on a lot of leaves, and then the top ones will just shrivel up. They won't brown. They'll just, they'll, they'll just curl up and shrivel up. And so right now it's about maybe a foot tall, and the leaves on the bottom 50% look great, and the top ones are just, yeah, just, just curled up. So I'm not sure what's going on with that one. Take one of the curling leaves and really give it a good looking over especially on the underside of the leaves. Maples generally don't have a pest problem. And I have a big tooth maple. Um, it's been in the ground like, gosh, more than 10 years now, and it's still barely six foot tall. They are not fast growing trees. But really give a couple of those curling leaves a good looking over and see if you can see any really small pests. When a small pest bites a leaf, it disrupts the growth, and that kind of is what make it curl. Um, there is leaf curl diseases, but I'm not sure that they uh, affect um, the big tooth maples. So look really close on the underside of those leaves and see if you see anything moving that shouldn't be there, any webbing like spider mites. That's the only suggestion I can give you that would be something that you could at least check for yourself to see if there's a problem. Um, and you could always uh, give it seaweed solution every couple of weeks. Seaweed can really be a a cure-all for just about any environmental condition that is affecting the plant. Matt, I hope that'll help. Um, good luck with this tree. It's going to be a long time before it gets very big. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're coming up top of the hour. I need a break for the news. I'll catch you all on the other side. 